Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Today's episode of the Tourpreneur podcast is kindly sponsored by Checkfront, the booking platform trusted by over 5,000 tour and activity operators around the world. This month, Checkfront is offering an exclusive 90-day free trial for tourpreneurs. Find out more at checkfront.com forward slash tourpreneur. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Today's Tourpreneur is sponsored by Checkfront and thetripschool.com. Take your tour guiding business from rainy day idea to reality in their three-week intensive workshop-based online program. Find out more at thetripschool.com. Welcome to a brand new series of Tourpreneur called Tour Operator Startup. To my knowledge, what I'm about to explain to you has never been created in podcast form before in our industry. What is it, I hear you ask? Well, many of you have written in asking me if I can produce a mini-series, a documentary, if you will, where we follow a tour operator who is starting out building their tour business. So in this series, we follow a tour operator on their journey from start to, well, we don't know where. We hope it is the success, but you're going to have to listen in each month to find out what happens. We also hope you will contribute to this series by offering your insights, advice, and experience via our Facebook group or by calling in as we help a tourpreneur create a thriving tour business. Today, we feature Morgan Cantrell of HistoryWellTravel.com. Let me introduce you to Morgan. She started her walking tour business just as the pandemic hit. Morgan shares in this episode why her dream is to build her own tour business. We also discuss some of the growing pains, I guess, she's experienced so far in starting her own tour business. We won't be sugarcoating anything during these chats. You know me well enough over the past 100 whatever episodes, 113 episodes, that I'm all about authentic and genuine conversations. There's no unicorn poop on Tourpreneur. We will discuss Megan's wins and her losses. I know you're going to be thrilled when you hear Morgan share with us what it was like the day she picked up her phone and read that she had her first bookings. So today's episode is Morgan's startup story, and we will check in with Morgan monthly to discuss her wins and her challenges building her tour business. Show notes for today can be found at tourpreneur.com 
forward slash 114 or if you're out running walking the dog folding the laundry whatever go to touroperatorstartup.com and you will find all of the episodes in this series i'm excited strap yourself in let's go welcome to torpreneur morgan cantrell and mitch bach how are you living the dream yeah same so morgan i uh thank you for being such a good sport in being our first tour operator startup that we're going to follow your journey as you are building your business from scratch, hopefully to success. This is something that our community, our audience has been asking for uh, since since we got started with the podcast, because many of our listeners love you know how, how I built this, but that's how I built it, not how I am building it. So we want to go on this journey from start right through to building your business. So your business is History Well Traveled. What inspired you to to start a tour business? I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in history. And of course, I love to travel. And I had said for years, if I could find a way to combine my love of history and travel into one job, then I'd have it. Like, that's the dream, right? So several things kind of happened throughout my life that kind of pushed me in this direction. And I decided if I want this dream, I kind of have to build it for myself. And so I kind of jumped in the deep end of the pool and started paddling. And now I actually have history while traveled. I'm on my way. I'm doing it. And it blows my mind, but I'm excited. When did you get started? Uh, January. I am new, new. I have not led a tour by myself. I have followed on two or three student tours to Savannah. And the week before I was supposed to lead my first tour by myself, everything shut down in March. So it's tricky, but I'm new, new. <laughs> tricky. <laughs> understatement. I, I can't think of a worse time in history Maybe the start of World War II, I don't know, when you would start a, a tour business, you start in January and then we, we get slapped in March by COVID and the pandemic. But when we were doing the prep for this and you were saying, I'm not sure I'm a good candidate because I've started just as COVID hits. And I think, no, you absolutely are the kind of business we want to follow here because navigating these challenges to hopefully success is going to make for a fascinating journey for all of us to, to listen into and to follow you uh, each month and to check in with you to learn about your wins and your challenges and your struggles. And hopefully something that, you know, you can look back on and say, wow, you know, that was my journey and I made a success out of it. As well as those out there, you know, I was always surprised. So full disclosure, tripschool.com, Mitch is on the line with us. I paid to go on the How to Start a Tour Business course. And that's how we we met Morgan, because I a, had this idea of wanting to build my own tour, but also I really wanted to get in the trenches, as it were, in terms of how you actually build the tour business from start and a few of my friends were like, so were you the only one that joined up that course? Because <laughs> of what we're, you know, who wants to start a tour business during COVID? And I said, no, I said, there was 20 plus people in our class, in our cohort. And I was generally surprised. And I know that there are many tourpreneurs in waiting, should we say, that are listening to tourpreneur that really want to build their tour business. So I think you are an ideal tour operator for us to follow on this journey. So talk to me about January, because you didn't just like wake up and say, I'm going to start a tour business today. What were the first steps for you? 
I had to kind of decide to to take this step. Um, previously, my career, I was a director of education in a museum, and I was there for five years. And I decided in December that I was ready to actually take this leap into a world where I can teach history and travel and all at the same time. And so then in May, when Mitch and Alan with Trip School promoted the Build Your Own Tour Company class, I was like, it's time. I have to jump on this bandwagon. I need to do this now. My background in history and my background in leading tours in a museum institution has prepped me for all of this. And I want to do it bigger. I want to do it on a larger scale. And so I really did just kind of decide to take the leap into this. I am going to jump in here because Morgan makes it sound like she didn't ask that many questions or do it very diligently when, in (laughs) fact, my inbox was flooded from incredibly detailed emails from somebody who was passionate about taking the leap, but with with real fortitude, because uh, believe me, all of us have dreams and usually they sit on back burners and usually we dip our toes into these ponds and we think about, you know, testing the waters when, in fact, sometimes it's just a lot easier to dive in fully because then you're committed. But Morgan, to your credit, you understood the magnitude of what you were doing. First, you approached us to become a tour director or a tour guide, and then it sort of morphed into sort of this business idea. But you said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be serious about it. And what I was impressed with, Shane, is the amount of people right now who are taking that leap because they have nothing else going on. And so it's really hard right now to say there's an upside to anything that's happening right now. I mean, my tour business itself has been completely decimated, but this sort of clearing that we suddenly have, some of us in our schedules, has been used wisely by people to take those hard steps and partake in a community of people that are also doing that and encouraging each other as they go down this road. And um, I mean, so many people came to me and said, listen, if now is not the time that I'm going to actually devote a month or two or three to doing this, then I'm never going to. And usually our life keeps floating on by with so many obligations. And this is a, this is a real opportunity. And I kept saying on the show that it's very depressing what's happening right now, but we can't change it. We can't control it. Unless you can come up with a vaccine, there's nothing we can do. But now is the opportunity to work on new skills that we don't have time to do in the past. Now, having gone through the three-week online version of your How to Start a Tour Business course, Mitch, that that was intense. I don't know how you felt, Morgan. I <laughs> After the, like the three hours, I was done. I was beat. You know, because there was so much information, there was so much to learn, but it was action-packed and there was no fluff, right? It was all killer and no filler. I, I personally would have struggled to complete that course. I mean, I kind of did with doing the Tourpreneur podcast as well. But if I was running my own tours and going on one of those courses, it's a, it's a big commitment. I remember at some point in our Facebook group that we're in, I wrote on there um, that I had gotten my LLC, my FEIN, all this stuff. And I wanted to say thanks to Mitch and Alan for super intensive, kind of want to murder you, but awesome class, because that's that's how I felt. Like you said, it was incredibly intensive, um, two plus hours a day, five days a week for three weeks on top of I'm currently teaching English. So I have a wild schedule as it is. And so it was it was just crazy, absolutely crazy. But I did it. I remember at the very beginning 
they were like, there's no reason at the end of this three-week course or the end of the summer why you couldn't have essentially a functioning business. And I remember thinking, ha ha, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. I can do it, quote, quote. But dude, I did. Like I was, I was so pumped and excited and proud of myself. I've still got some steps to do and stuff to kind of get ready. And I hope to lead my very first official tour on September 12th, uh, cross my fingers. And so it's, it's real. I started June 1st and I, I, I'm functioning. I'm taking people's money online. So it's, it's a thing. So I know Mitch is blushing here and I want to share with listeners that Mitch insisted that this startup series was not a sales pitch for Trip no, School. No, it's I, not. I, no, no, no. And I respect that. But you and I are going to talk, we're going to praise it because of the quality of the course. And we're going to touch a little bit on how it's helped you grow your bit or start your business, um, Morgan. But there was something I wanted to go back to. So you were director of education at a museum. Mm-hmm. If I understand you correctly, you left full-time employment. You left that job to work on your tour business. Is that correct? I left the job in December to become a full-time tour director. Who were you tour guide director for? Oh, I was hired by EF Explore America, World Strides, a company in Georgia called Sun Tours, um, another company in Georgia called Kelly Tours. I had my fingers in a few different cookie jars. I was very excited and very honored and touched to have that kind of success in my first season. But then when COVID happened, I took a few months to find some kind of income. So that's when I started teaching English. So I've really been working on building history well-traveled since May. I had the idea and then June, I took the class. Let me understand. So had you wanted to build your own tour business whilst you were a tour director or did you feel forced into it because of COVID? It was one of those, it's now or never, might as well, because I don't have a whole lot else to do, like you said. And I I kind of had this timeline in my head of spending a few years in the industry, getting my feet wet, learning about it, and then making the shift. But I don't know what that looks like in the future presently. And so it's kind of a, like I said, now or never, may as well. So I'm going to start with small local tours in my hometown. I think right now is actually a very interesting time in the tourism industry over the last few decades where somebody like Morgan can actually dive in and start getting bookings almost immediately, even if it is provisional on what September looks like. But, you know, Morgan, you've been working with companies that have enormous overhead. They rely on a lot of bookings coming in to keep you hired and employed. And essentially, it's very precarious for those companies because they don't know when they're going to be able to resume operations on that scale. In the meantime, you started something with almost no investment on your end, except for the LLC and some of the fees and the website hosting and the course fee or whatever. But this is actually a strange sort of corner of the industry where you can start something with very little investment capital and it can start paying dividends pretty soon. And I know you've partnered with uh, platforms that are doing some of the selling for you and bringing in bookings. And it means that you're not, you're not figuring out everything about your business right now. You're not mastering Google ads and Facebook ads and OTAs and everything else. But even with the knowledge and the commitment that you've made so far in just a couple of months, uh, it's starting to yield something interesting for you. And so History Well Traveled, how did you come up with the name? I actually came up with that name in grad school. 
So my first semester of uh, grad school, I took a digital history class. Uh, in that class, we had the, the semester project was to create some kind of historical experience online, whether that is a database, a blog, blah, 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 et cetera. Well, I wanted to find a way for me to kind of dive into the historical experience at tourist locations. Because what is a historic site if it's not a place of preservation, but also a place of visitation? And so I initially studied uh, the Wallace Monument in Stirling, Scotland, which is about William Wallace. I had studied abroad in Stirling, and so I had visited it and all this stuff. And I kind of kind of cross-referenced the look of Braveheart and actual William Wallace versus the monument and how all of these things are intertwined in your experience at the Wallace Monument. So for my semester project, I needed a website where I could explore this. And I was like, hmm, what should I call this? History well-traveled. And so I've had the domain, I've had the name and a rough kind of idea of this since 2016. And I've just kind of held on to that domain because I knew it was so good for years. And now I'm doing something with it. Yeah, that's it's interesting because I remember on the course, you know, there's so many people Mitch, were trying to come up with the right name for the <laughs> business, then the right logo, then trying to find the domain. I mean, these are massive headaches. Anyone trying to buy a domain today, you've got to be pretty smart about it because most of the good ones are gone. You know, I will say this, though. What happened in our course was particularly special because given COVID, we were suddenly, we transformed it into an online experience and we suddenly could pull in people from around the world to speak to you. I mean, I will say this, I think largely the power of it wasn't necessarily from our instruction so much as the building of a community of experts of people willing to share their real boots on the ground experience as operators with people who are eager and Getting that community feedback, in other words, people were posting every single day, what do you think of my logo? What do you think of this domain name? Uh, and also just the encouragement of saying, I've got to show up. And if I don't show up and don't have my stuff ready, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be told off or I will, uh, I, I will be noticed. You don't blend in. I think that community aspect and that sort of boots on the ground series of experts and people who came in, that encouragement was something really special. But beyond that, uh, <laughs> I know just personally, and I don't think I'm alone in this, I actually enjoy getting stuck on something because then I can use it as an excuse to not progress. And so people saying, oh, I better find that domain name. And you know what? We, we had a gaggle of dozens of people telling them off, saying, just take that domain name and keep going because it doesn't need to be perfect. I showed slides of the evolution of logos of major companies. Airbnb did not wait until it's this cute little red paperclip or whatever the heck it is, uh, paper airplane. I don't even know what it is, but it's cute. They've evolved over years and so will you and so will your company. And it's really important to give yourself that freedom to develop and grow and change things without thinking that it's got to be perfect and all set in place before you can officially begin. Yeah. And I, I think what I loved about your course is you, you and Alan, you delivered some tough love you know, we all come up with logos and let's be honest, some of them are pretty crap. As you'd expect, you just started out and you, you know, if I showed a friend that they'd be like, oh yeah, nice one, Shane. But you were like, um, 
I can't remember some of the expressions you used were very funny. Um, maybe I'll stick some in the show notes. But you know, it, you know, you didn't hold back because you want your students, your graduates, to have a kick-ass logo, right? Mm-hmm. And one that really picked, you know, shows what that company is all about, rather than something that's like, oh, grief, that's awful. Or those colors don't work. And you know, I'm no graphic designer. It takes me ages even to do my podcast artwork for for Tourpreneur, and it's not something you just learn overnight. So I really enjoyed that that feedback, even though. It was quite excruciating at times. <laughs> well, but partially it's served with humor, which means you can get away with a lot, but also with love. You know, we're there for you. We're showing up there every single day. Everybody else is in the same boat. And there's a certain strength in the numbers of everybody's getting humiliated instead of one person saying, you know, when you ask your friends, and we talked about this all the time, they're there to encourage you. They're your friends. And so you're not going to get the type of real business feedback that you need. And uh, you need to have that emotional distance as well from the things you put out there, because we all need to know that businesses evolve in iterations through feedback loops. And uh, the more we can do that with better honesty, but it is a learning a learning curve, isn't it, Morgan? I'm sure everybody, <laughs> especially as a sweet Georgian, as a New Yorker, I have no problem sitting there telling a stranger I meet on the street what I think of them. But sweet, <laughs> a sweet Georgian like Morgan, it's a learning curve, that type of direct feedback, but it's ultimately good, I think. Yeah, I remember one of our assignments was to post a rough logo in the group. And so I posted a logo that I thought was adorable. And Alan was like, it's cute. And then Mitch was like, it's way too busy. And I was like, ah. And so then I had to go back to the drawing board. And I remember one day that week, I had come up with like 12 different possible logos. I was just so frustrated that I posted one. And then in the comments, I put pictures of every single other one of them because I was like, I'm going to throw everything on the wall. Surely something will stick. And I ended up not using any of them because they were all crap. And so it's just, it has, it's been an evolution of love and frustration, but you know, it's okay. The one that I have now, my friend created, I did not create it. (laughs) Did you tell her what you wanted or did she come up with it? I said, I want history to be big, well-traveled to be there, of course, but not as prominent. Something, you know, whimsical, but not like super duper overpowering and um, with about three tries, she had come up with my logo. And when I finally saw it, I was like, that's the one. I love it. Cute. Do this. Change this little thing. And we have what we have. So, yay. Excellent. So on your site right now, I see you have historic, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, Carrollton uh-huh. Walking Tour. Yes. Um, so that's the main tour you're offering right now, correct? Correct. I'm going to do a slow um, release of a couple different tours in Carrollton. Great. So how did you go about designing this particular walking tour, this particular experience? Well, first thing, I'm from Carrollton, Georgia. I grew up in Carrollton, 40 miles west of Atlanta. I'm about 13 miles from the Alabama state line. Um, Carrollton kind of has a cult following. Uh, we refer to the Carrollton as the city of dreams. It is not the city of dreams, but that's what we conveniently call it. It has a really just cute, quirky, unique history. And I realized there were no historical tours. There there was nothing to do in town that could help us townies learn about our history. And so I decided, darn it, I'm going to do it. We have a great little unique downtown area. And 
I just kind of got in Google My Maps and I had a rough idea of the little route I wanted to take in my head, but I plotted out some areas and then I walked it to make sure that sidewalks were there in all the places and and they're not. I learned that. I kind of started from there. You know, I had a, a rough route on Google My Maps and grew out. Excellent. How did you then go about pricing that tour? I pulled a number out of a hat. No. Um, <laughs> Love the honesty. This is tour for there. Love it. Well, um, you know, I, I kind of did some research. I looked around at other small-ish cities that have historical walking tours. I'm currently sitting around 20 bucks, 22 I changed my mind sometimes as to what the pricing should be. I, of course, you know, I have to pay me for my time and my effort of creating it, my time of actually doing it, and still keep the number at a reasonable rate for, you know, small town, suburb Atlanta people. And so I'm kind of sitting around 20 bucks and I'm hoping it works. If I find that there's pushback or not as much traction at that number, I'm willing to wiggle and move. So we'll see. Not only did, did you just start, but you're essentially creating a market where none exists. You can't yes. do that competitor research where you look around town and see what others are doing. And Morgan, what I was actually most impressed with uh, in terms of your go-getter attitude was the way you just started making phone calls to everybody related to tourism in your town. And you ended up talking to a random man for an hour and a half, didn't you? About- I, I did, yeah. I called the local CVB and I spoke, his name is um, Jonathan Dorsey. And I just wanted an initial phone call of, hey, I have this idea. Is it even feasible in Carrollton? What do you think? And we were, we were on the phone for an hour and a half talking Carrollton history, heritage, tourism, all kinds of different stuff. And at the end, he was like, I think you're really onto something. I would be so happy to not have to give these tours myself, to funnel them into you. This would be great because, you know, the the city had created these tours for bus tours to come through, but they weren't promoting them in any way, especially not for locals. And so he's like, I'd be really happy to give all of this to you. And we've had a long email chain ever since. And the subject heading is my history takeover of the world. And it's, just kind of grown and evolved from there. But I did. I just called him because he didn't respond to my initial email. That's a good takeaway there, everybody, because you know people get busy. They don't always get time to reply to email. Uh, and the fact you p- went old school, picked up the phone. I love that. I personally hate phone calls, uh, but I've learned to love them because of the power of them, especially right now. You can get people on the phone that I didn't dream of talking to these days because everyone's roughly in a similar situation as as we are. You know, Morgan, what you did, which is great, is you understood that a lot of solutions to your problem come from just the initiative of making those calls over and over again. I can't tell you one of the most frustrating days was hearing people say, there's no solution to my uh, auto insurance problem for my tour. We have we had several people developing vehicle tours and they said, there's just no, there's no answer. I think I'm going to just give up. And then I'd ask them, how many phone calls did you make? And they said, well, none, but I'm Googling around and nobody's responding to my emails. And I said, just pick up the phone. And sure enough, the next day, one person said, 
my first phone call, I found great insurance or somebody made 10 phone calls. And one of our experts, Heather White from Spark Experiences, talks and preaches about this. She came in and she said, listen, my first 15 phone calls were quoting me California auto insurance, uh, commercial auto insurance for $20,000, $30,000. And then she called up the random place down the road from her that doesn't advertise special tour operator insurance or anything like that. But she called up, talked to a guy, and they ended up finding her, <laughs> what's a deal in California, $10,000. But she saved $16,000 by making that 20th phone call. And nobody enjoys that procedure, but the more the more you can get people in your life to encourage you to make those calls. And I think that goes for people who have businesses right now who do need some revamping or who do need to go and revisit some of these things that they've taken for granted, making those calls and seeing if you can make those negotiations or find new vendors that uh, improve your tour product that just require a really annoying day of phone calls and maybe day drinking. Do you remember, Morgan, that call you made? Because I know not everybody can pick up the phone or likes to pick up the phone and open a conversation with a stranger. Do you remember how you opened that conversation with him? I said, hi, I'm Morgan. I emailed you, but I haven't heard back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. I don't have a filter, my mom likes to tell me. So I just kind of blurted it out. And he was like, oh, yeah, I I remember your email. Um, what's up? And so then I just kind of went from there. So what advice would you have to entrepreneurs in waiting that are too scared to call the CVB for help and advice? Those people are so nice. They really are. And the CVBs, DMOs, um, your visitor center and general people, they love to talk. They love to boost, bolster, Um, endorse their local community that they're there to support. And if you want to do that as well, then they're your cheerleaders. They're there to help you and to root for you. So just call them. They are so nice and they, they want to talk to you. They want to know what you're doing and find some way to get involved. So have courage, maybe take a shot of whiskey before if you need it, but just (laughs) give them a call, do it. The worst thing they could say is no. Well, the worst thing they could say is something off. But it's very rare you'll hear that, right? So as long as you you brace for it. Are you looking for reservation software? I've got great news. This month, Checkfront is offering an exclusive free 90-day trial for tourpreneurs. That's so much time to set up a high-converting booking flow on your website and explore everything you can do in the back end to support your recovery from marketing tools to real-time reporting. So if you've wanted to try Checkfront, now is the time. Go to checkfront.com forward slash tourpreneur to claim your free 90-day trial. I wanted to ask you, you know, something that a lot of entrepreneurs when they're starting out struggle with is a website. How did you go about building yours? I was already very familiar with WordPress prior to this course. I built the website that the museum that I worked at currently runs on. I've played with themes, plugins, all that stuff. So I came in with some background knowledge and the particular theme that I'm currently running is made for tour operators. It has some functionality that lists tour experiences. It has extra categories and groupings outside of just your normal category that that comes with your blog post functionality. 
So I did some Google search. I looked for tour operator themes, travel themes, something like that. Found one I liked, played with the demo, and it was $59, but it was a wonderful investment. I really like my theme layout. It actually has a ton of more functionality options than is currently running right now, because right now I only have one tour that's offered at the moment. You know, I can't have Historic Carrollton walking tour in five different places because that's ridiculous overkill. So I'm kind of running it at its most basic level at the moment, but it has the ability to expand. It's going to have a search bar to where you can look at different types of things, activities, places, etc. I've just played with it and built it to what it is. Do you remember the name of the theme? Travel Ultimate Pro. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. I will link to that in today's <laughs> show notes, which you can find at tourpreneur.com forward slash 114. You've designed the experience. You've built the website. How did you then go about getting the word out about your tours? Word of mouth and Facebook. Um, since I'm starting in my small hometown, I'm not going to do any over-the-top marketing. Um, I just don't have the finances to invest in that at the moment. I don't want to say I'm well-known in my hometown because I don't want to toot my own horn, but I people know my name. I wrote a travel column for our newspaper for about two and a half years. And so I had kind of a wide following from that. And my family has been in Carrollton for 70 years. And so mm-hmm. all I kind of have to say is, hey, I'm Morgan. I'm starting a travel company, blah, blah, blah. And word spreads. So doing it that way, lots of organic traffic. And then, of course, on Facebook, I am doing some targeted ads on Facebook, specifically to Carrollton. And my first one was just a very brief, hey, Carrollton, I created this walking tour. Check it out. And then the next one I did was historic walking tours starting September 12th. And then the next one that I'm going to run is kind of focused on me. It's like, hey, Carrollton, I'm Morgan. I created this historic walking tour. Here's my background. Why? I am leading these, why you should come with me. And I'm kind of becoming more and more narrow in my focus, leading to a September 12th. Hoorah. (laughs) Excellent. And with Facebook ads, how did you get started with that? Because they're not the easiest of things to run, are they? No, they're not. Thankfully, I had five years worth of practice at the museum. And so I, I, I did have some, you know, very much trial and error running ads for the museum. I I did play with what images work best, when to and not to use text on image because Facebook limits that. You know, they sometimes say- 20%, right? Exactly. It's like, there's too much text here. So we're going to say that you can't boost this to so many people. Um, I also had to play with demographics. Um, Sometimes they're keyword search when you're looking for a specific grouping of people who have X interest. All the keywords that I want to put in don't sometimes come up. Like I can't just type in history because there's not a history keyword. And so I I have to kind of be a little creative with the keyword plugins that I use. But currently I'm just geo-referencing where my ads go. I'm just zooming in on one location. And what's the the radius of that that you're running from your town? The first one I ran was 25 miles around Carrollton because Carroll County is actually one of the larger counties in the state of Georgia. And so 25 miles really does hit the entirety of Carroll County in some of the outlying area. 
And then the last one I ran was 12 miles. Okay. Are you seeing a surge in domestic tourism in Georgia? Um, Explore Georgia is the tourism that's a uh, tourism department of the state of Georgia, and they are fantastic. They do a great job um, promoting not only the coast and the Blue Ridge, which is, of course, where everybody wants to go in Georgia, but they do a wonderful job of promoting suburban rural areas for people to visit as well. So I've got to tap into Explore Georgia. But yes, I do see absolutely an increase in domestic travel, domestic within the state, purely because of one, COVID. You know, people can't go very far. Um, We can't come to New York unless we quarantine ourselves. But it's just one of those things. So of course, there's an increase of domestic travel. And when I did a, I did a Facebook survey of all of my friends on Facebook. And one of my questions was, what types of history are you interested in? And there was actually a very, very large number of people who are interested in local history, in local travel. So I was really encouraged by that um, because I kind of didn't think there would be. What's been sort of interesting watching people navigate what it means to be offering tours right now is the creativity that it's unleashed in certain people as well. I mean, uh, I, I can think of one other uh, entrepreneur who's brand new to the game, Annie, who's been very vocal in her Facebook group because she keeps having success. And what's interesting about her, uh, you're both smiling right now because I know you see her posts all the time and they're fantastic posts because Annie is French. She lives in Philadelphia. And what she discovered was rather than trying to impersonate every other Philadelphia walking to her company in Philadelphia or trying to court European visitors that are coming in, she discovered a really weird and unique niche of French aficionado groups or affinity groups on Facebook, some of which are families, some of which are old historians. And essentially she developed types of tours in Philadelphia that appeal to people that want not just the normal American history, but it told from a French woman uh, from a French perspective, which is absolutely fascinating in Philadelphia. All those founding fathers were heading over to France at some point for all sorts of reasons. And to have her perspective unleashed a perspective and a type of tour that she would have never thought if all she was doing was doing inbound, uh, you know, French and Italians coming into Philadelphia. And, you know, it, it speaks to also the way in which she's been targeting families who want to get their kids out, who want to get an educational experience that isn't in their living room and isn't happening actually in school, uh, but learning something and doing it in a French language so the kids are getting language uh, benefits out of it as well. That is in no way would that be a tour that pops into your head when you've got tons of business coming in uh, from Europeans or from standard markets. And so it's been really interesting to watch these unique markets evolve. And I would say to listeners, if you have advice for Morgan, come on the Facebook group, uh, torpreneur.com forward slash Facebook. Give Morgan some advice, particularly if, as Mitch has just explained and what Morgan is sharing with us, they're building tours that people are likely not searching for right now. Like Probably no one's going on Google putting Carrollton walking tours in the same way with the, with Anne in, in Philadelphia. So you're having to create that awareness, create that demand, and you're using Facebook ads to do that, which I think is powerful because you can present that in front of people. But, you know, it's a quick way to burn cash as well if you do it incorrectly. So one of the, the frustrations is I'm still looking for a Facebook ads course for tour operators. You know, some of them are really expensive, like $3,000. I think I would pay that if it was tailored for tour operators because it's so very different. I keep seeing funnels and I keep saying, oh, you know, use Facebook ads and site, you know, you get my free PDF for this, that, and the other. And of course it works for some verticals, but does that really work for a walking tour or a bike tour? 
I, I don't think it does. And I know some on the group disagree with me, but that makes it much more of a challenge for those of us that want to promote a walking tour via Facebook ads. I will say with Annie, for example, she used Facebook groups and did a much more subtle version of marketing, which was just start to become a positive and engaging presence in these very passionate groups of targeted audiences. And she provided information. She provided help. She started to just chime in in comment feeds and then sort of in a non-selling way said, by the way, if anybody's interested in organizing a little group that safely wants to visit some of these sites from this French perspective, I'll do it. And I think she did the first one as sort of a lost leader where she uh, just gathered a little momentum by offering those to people and then the the word of mouth spread. So, you know, it doesn't have to always be a, a cash burn, but Shane, I agree with you. I noticed this because we're teaching beginner stage entrepreneurs and I send them all to you because you're essentially the next step in a community that is willing to sit there and reach out with all sorts of real boots on the ground uh, experience that people are willing to share. And I'm going to toot your horn and make my, uh, <laughs> make my best attempt at making your uh, English skin blush by saying that I'm a member of hundreds of Facebook communities, but the amount of engagement you get, I think comes from people knowing you or they feel like they know you because you're in their ear every morning. And so people show up and you are so passionately engaged in community building in that forum and it makes other people want to share. And I don't know many other business sectors that have such a willing audience of people that are there to help new people, to help share their secrets. And it does require, though, somebody that sets that tone, which you do so brilliantly by not sitting there hawking things, selling things all the time and just saying, I'm with you on this. So, I mean, you're you're our graduates' next step uh, in terms of that type of support as they enter into the actual business market. I appreciate those words. And I also feel blessed to be in an industry where, by and large, we all want to help each other out. Now, if you look at the hotel industry and even attractions, I was speaking to someone fairly well known in attractions recently, and we were talking about the Tourpreneur podcast, and, and she really enjoys listening to it. She said, but I don't think it would work for attractions. And I said, why not? She said, well, most attractions are not going to come on your show and share their secret sauce. They're not going to tell you how they, like you just talked through your Facebook strategy, Morgan. I know you just at the start of it, be very open about that because you're not really worried about a competitor taking that from me because maybe you don't have one right now but you know there could be a bike tour in Carrollton that could listen to you and you both help each other you want to promote each other and, and the, the difference with the the hotel to a tour is a hotel you generally stay at one hotel on your visit to, to New York City and that's it whereas tours activities and attractions you go to many but when you put that into silos if I'm going to go to an observatory deck I lose count how many there are now in New York City I'm probably only going to do one if I'm only there for three days I'll do one and then I'll go and do a pizza tour or something else. So we're very, very blessed in this industry that most tourpreneurs, most tourpreneurs are very open to discussing their strategies. And, you know, I'm very grateful when I see that on the group because the power of the group is you get someone like Peter Syme the other day, for instance, a bit of a tangent, but, you know, he's running rafting tours in Scotland. And someone was like, oh, boost, boosted posts, posts are crap. They're a waste of money. And he was like, oh, really? And he showed his results from a boosted post and he went into depth on that. And it gave you another perspective rather than just listening to one. And it's not to say the person with boosted posts is wrong. Maybe in their circumstances, they hadn't seen the same results. But then you have someone like Peter, who's openly sharing his success 
through that medium. So we are very fortunate in this industry. We see it on your group as well, Mitch, within your courses, with your graduates, on most Facebook groups for tours. We all want to help each other out. That's why I love what we do, quite frankly. My next question for you then, Morgan, is you got your website, word of mouth, your marketing, you're doing your Facebook ads. How are you taking bookings? Are you using a booking software platform? Are you just using PayPal? How is that working for you? I'm currently with Fair Harbor. The museum that I worked at, um, we used Fair Harbor. And so I'm already very familiar with their software. I know how all of the back end works, running the reports, which sometimes that technical aspect can be the most difficult to kind of learn how to maneuver. And since I'm already so familiar with Fair Harbor and I knew that there was a zero startup fee, it just made the most financial sense to go with them. For those who are listening to the show who aren't familiar with any booking platforms, right? They're brand new to this. They want to use a booking platform. What kind of things are important to you, Morgan, when you're looking at a booking platform to work with? Bearing in mind where you are at the start of your business. Ease of bookability for me is is number one. Um, if the customer can't do it, it's for me, it's not, it's it's pointless. Um, it has to be a very simple process of oh, this tour, this date, put in my money, go. It has to be seamless and easy. And Fair Harbor does have a very simple booking process. And so I do like that. Fair Harbor also has a couple of different embed options. This is my background in WordPress. I kind of wish sometimes I had different embed opportunities. I wish I could play with the stylation a little bit more. Um, but Maybe that will come later. Maybe that will be a different operator in some time. I, I'm not sure. But, you know, stylation is important because your website, my theme, it it looks a certain way. And if if your embedded functionality of how you book your tours doesn't flow seamlessly with your theme, like if like they're two completely different visual aspects, that's that's jarring to your experience as the visitor because you have this nice, beautiful theme and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, are we in 1998? You know, Windows 98? Like it's, you want it to be a seamless visual experience as well. And so I, I do sometimes wish I had different embed stylation opportunities. But like I said, that'll come later. And then on the back end side for me, it's really important to be able to gain customer information to be able to ask them those finishing questions when they're finishing their booking. Where are you from? How did you hear about us? Because that customer information is so critical because if I don't know where they're from, I don't know where to target my um, marketing to. And if I don't know how they heard about me, then I don't know what's working or what's not working. If they tell me that they heard about me purely through word of mouth, then okay, great. But I'm clearly not doing something right with Facebook. If they've all heard me through Facebook, wonderful. But I need to get the community talking about me, you know? So like that information is critical. And I have to be able to get that information from them and be able to run the reports to analyze that data later, which Fair Harbor lets me do. So do they give you a link of some kind that you have your book button on your site, and then you add in that Fair Harbor link that then takes them to a calendar where the guests can book. Is that how it works? They have a link. I have linked my Facebook to um, 
It's called my booking flow. That's where all of my tours and the dates are listed. So when you click book now off of my Facebook, it goes straight into like a Fair Harbor um, new tab and everything. On my website, I have my calendar embedded. And so when you go to the different tours, you can see it physically there. And then when you click book now, the pop-up comes up. And how does the payment work for Fair Harbor? Fair Harbor, I do not pay them. They have a processing fee that the customer takes care of on their end. So, for instance, if your, let's say your tour is 30 bucks, at the point of purchase, they will see 36 bucks. Well, I, they will actually see my set price of $30, but then they will have a processing fee gotcha. that is added onto the end. And then, of course, sales tax. Excellent. They don't bill you. I, I'm just going over this yes. because for many tourpreneurs, this is really uncharted territory when it comes to working with a booking platform, because there are some that you can pay a, a set fee a month and there's no, you know, some tour operators don't want to have the booking fee, the customer paying a booking fee, et cetera. But where you're at, it's like you don't have that outlay as you're just starting out that that's on the back end. Yes, exactly. It's something I do not touch. I never see the fee that goes to Fair Harbor. So that's one less step I have to worry about. You know, I don't have to worry about a bill from Fair Harbor saying, hey, you owe me X amount of dollars. And I'd be like, oh, crap, I spent that money. So <laughs> it just it never appears in my account. It goes straight to them. And it's it's ease. It's really nice. You know, it's really interesting. First of all, Morgan, I applaud you because you just pulled the trigger on a booking platform. Uh, yeah. There are so, you know, and Shane, you know this better than anybody. People get bogged down in the choices. And every three days, somebody says, what is the best platform? And of course, <laughs> there's no easy answer. But that's also one of those great stalling tactics on your part is to just say, well, then my company's going to be paused until I come up with the perfect booking platform. And you just pulled the trigger and said, listen, I can't make their little box pink, but I'm still going to go with Fair Harbor. And maybe down the line, I'll switch to something that allows me to style and embed better with my website. Great. But it's doing what you need it to do now. I'll make this plug for tour guides and for tour operators that this is a great chance to do what these companies are begging you to do, which is just call them up and schedule a 20 minute chat with them. They are so willing to do it. I mean, in our class, we had them knocking on our door, wanting to do a little demo for all of our new entrepreneurs. And, you know, each class that we run, we take four or five and they just show up and they show what the system works like. But, you know, it's going to have a lot of overlap of features, but just take it because you're not losing anything by going with Fair Harbor for a while. And then you might make the switch to Peak or to Bookio or to whatever it is to check front down the line. But so many tour guides, I'm a New Yorker. We have so many tour guides here that are excellent, excellent guides and their websites are still stuck in 1994. You're still (laughs) booking some of the best guides in the world by a PayPal hyperlink on their website and just upping your game right now. This is a great chance to be doing that and to making those calls. But again, it's just like the kind of question, what is the best commercial auto insurance for my tour company? Well, it depends on who you are, where you live, what you want out of it. Make the calls. Don't solve this through Facebook groups and the internet. Same thing. Just pick five. Pick five of these people or three of these people, schedule 30-minute sales pitches, decide you liked Andy or you liked Sean or you liked Phil or Denise or whomever the best, 
you like the relationship, establish that relationship and then just get going because it's always going to be changeable down the road and uh, don't make it a, a reason to pause the progress of your company. Yeah, I would also applaud Morgan because you know you you pull the trigger in actually having a booking platform, right? A solution. Some operators are like, no, I'm not going to pay for that. And I'm scared of the technology. And I get that, right? I'm, I'm not that great at technology. I'm going to use my phone, pen and paper and maybe Excel or a Google sheet. Whereas you're like, no, I'm going all in with the booking platform. I think that's important. And also, as Mitch says, you know, you ask that question, what's the best booking platform? Um, there are 160 plus answers because at the last count, there's 160 booking platform providers out there. And I love your advice, Mitch, about getting on the phone because it's not just about the technology. It's like, how do you jive with that company? Are they too corporate? Were they really stiff? You know, were they fun? Did you did you really get on with that person? Because I think that it's almost like speed dating in a way. You know, they're going to be a really solid, trusted partner of yours going forward. Such an important part of your business. You want to feel that's a good company to work with. So um, actually, I, I'm coming up on Torpreneur because this question comes up all the time. I'm producing a Meet the ResTech series and we're going to do things a little bit different because I tend to see a lot of sales noise, especially when you go to conferences, you see the talking heads. I'm going to uh, produce a conversation with a customer success manager from a booking platform with one of their raving fans, a tour operator who works with them and loves them to pieces, and then a operator who's shopping around for a platform. So we're going to have this really cool conversation produce it on the podcast. Never been done before, so I'm a bit nervous, but you know, we'll give it a go because I don't want it to be a sales pitch. I don't I don't want I just want it to be a genuine conversation because not every booking platform is right for for our businesses and it is important we find the right one. On Fair Harbor, I do have one question for you, Morgan. So when they take the money, so the the, the guest makes the booking, let's say it's a hundred bucks, Fair Harbor take the cash. How long does it then take for you to get your cut? They do daily deposits, so a couple of business days to process and deposit it. Okay, so you're not waiting 30 days or so in order to get that cash that's coming to you pretty quickly. Correct. When did you get your first booking? Last weekend, my first official booking for October 3rd. It was a Saturday. I was just laying in bed playing on my phone and I did the regular check all of my apps and I checked my email and... I saw Fair Harbor, somebody booked, and it's just two people. But you know what? That's two more people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, let's, know, let's stop with this just two but people thing, please. But that's two more people than I had before. So that's awesome, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And so, absolutely. <laughs> and so I remember I checked and like I kept refreshing because I didn't believe that the email was actually there. I had to convince <laughs> myself that it was real. Um, and then, of course, I had to go into Fair Harbor and see on the day that I actually had, you know, people signed up. And I was like, holy, holy, holy crap, it's it's real now. So I texted like, you know, of course, friends, family. I was like, I got my first booking. And um, I remember I texted Mitch and Alan too. And there's a video of Kristen Bell. Her husband got her a sloth for her birthday to come hang out. So there's a video <laughs> of her laying in bed with her hand over her face sobbing and she's screaming, I'm so excited. And that's how I felt. And so I sent that gift to a bunch of people because that's the best way to encapsulate my emotion in that moment. I was terrified and excited and crying, but smiling and everything all at once. So I'm official. I have people paying yeah. me for tours. I think that's the most important sale ever is that first one. When someone other than your mum, because it wasn't your mum, right? No, I don't know these people. 
<laughs> I asked my parents, I was like, do you know this guy? Like, these are their names. This is their information. <laughs> They're like, no. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> well, that's proof of concept. When someone gets their credit card out to book with a company they don't know for a tour they haven't been on, that's you. That's proof of concept. Now, yeah, okay, you need, you know, a lot more of those. But just having that first one must give you so much inspiration and motivation that you're onto something. It does. It makes my heart smile. So can hear it. <laughs> Good. Can hear it. <laughs> So far, so as we wrap up, this is your origin story. We're going to check in with you every month and learn about your, your wins and uh, your struggles and your challenges. What do you think has been the biggest frustration for you about starting a tour business so far? Sometimes finding motivation to have this grand idea and then to actually put it down on paper and kind of make a list of steps that I need to take and find the oomph to get over various hills and the okay, I've done this or that door closed. Let's crawl through a window, you know, something like that. Like just motivation to keep going, um, to get over the hurdles. So what do you do in those moments? Drink a lot of coffee, get on a serious caffeine high and go for it. Okay. What about overwhelmed? Do you ever feel overwhelmed being a solopreneur? Looking at finances sometimes overwhelms me. Um, the idea of taxes and having to separate different monies to pay sales tax, to tax myself, to do this, to do all of these different finance things, that's, that's overwhelming for me. I'm a historian. I am not known for my ability to do numbers. I have to have a calculator for simple addition. It's really sad. And so, um, <laughs> quick. You do realize 99% of our <laughs> listeners are like, that's me. I, I love God. I just want to lead tours all day. I don't want to be dealing with taxes and red tape and accounting and QuickBooks and everything. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, but wonderful thing about QuickBooks, um, is they do a lot of math and association of placement of this needs to be in this column and that column. They do a lot of it for you. And so I can honestly say, I don't know where I'd be without QuickBooks. It is wonderful. That's not a plug for them, but they have certainly helped me. Well, it can me. be. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you totally can. Listen, when a tourpreneur says something like that, that's totally a plug. And I want to create a resource where we tally these all up together so that tourpreneurs can go in because you're recommending it. You're in the trenches here. You're not a salesperson for QuickBooks. So. Okay, then yeah, I've had a wonderful time with QuickBooks. <laughs> it's really helped. Any other apps or tools that have been very helpful for you other than tripschool.com? <laughs> you know, just having a, actually just having a good community around me, whether that is trip school or family and friends, people who I can go to with different problems, things that I'm not familiar with, things that I'm not good at, and just having that community of people who I can go to for help. That, that makes all the difference. And sometimes people are better than apps because they're humans. They're not robots and algorithms. That seems like it's been a theme of this hour is humans are helpful. And the more human they can be to you, the better. In other words, the more you can hear a voice. We had somebody say, thank you for this course. You're my reason to wear pants. And I said, well, okay, <laughs> all right, uh, fine. But I mean, to the point, you know, we just did a poll in our little Facebook group saying, you know, where's everybody at? And essentially everybody said, I need motivation. I need to keep having this motivation. And we realized that 
actually our job isn't done after a course, that we're going to need weekly themed check-ins where people can show up and continue the dialogue and make this. Uh, we realize that we're not we're not <laughs> getting rid of Morgan anytime soon, just <laughs> as you aren't, Shane. That that aspect is so important, especially right now as everybody's mental health goes haywire and everybody's losing not only motivation, but just a sense of humanity. It's more powerful than even any of us realize until you realize that your friend John at the CVB is more than just a human versus an email. It's somebody that's going to be encouragement, just knowing that you can call him up and continue that dialogue with him. And and I mean, that goes to Shane, to your point, that goes to your relationship with your booking, your booking agent, not that you're going to call them up and tell them about your cat, but you might, and they'll <laughs> listen because they want your business. But um, I auditioned a new CRM for us recently. And the one that I went with was not the one that I actually thought would be best for me, but the one that responded quickly to my emails, actively reached out and said, what do you want a zoom call to go over this feature? Because we know it's overwhelming. And I jived so well with those people. And it felt like a human, it felt like a human interaction that I, I chose them. And I think we need to remember that human lesson more than any other lesson right now of authorizing yourself to reach out for help and saying, you know, Mitch texting me and saying, Mitch, uh, I'm, I've lost my mojo right now because that's what this ultimately boils down to. You know, it's interesting you talk about responsiveness there with dealing with companies. When I bought my first car in the US in California, I actually bought it because my biggest concern was would my dog fit in the back? <laughs> and the guy actually said, I will drive this car to your house, put your dog in it. See, no, no other car dealership said that. So I ended up going with that guy. So I'm like, wow, he really knew. That was my sticking point. It's like, you know, I, I'm only buying this car because I've got quite a big dog. <laughs> you know, when I went that extra mile. I think that's important. Morgan, we're going to check in with you in a month or so. What's on the docket for you in the next couple of weeks? What are you going to be working on? Leading tours, um, finalizing my, not script, but just the ideas in my head of what I want to say getting those down on paper. And then I have a couple of test runs in the next two weeks. And then September 12th um, is official go. And so from there, I have my wonderful two people on October 3rd. So I'm ready. I'm excited. Well, we'll make sure to check in with you after the, the October 3rd tour then. And you can tell us how that went. I'm really thrilled to hear how you get on, Morgan. And and make some notes during the next couple of weeks, you know, any any wins that you have or struggles, you know, jot them down. I know you were saying to me that uh, you, you keep a journal, but I find in business, sometimes we firefight so much that we forget what we fought against yesterday as we deal with today. So making those notes, I think, is, is going to be really helpful for us going forward as we follow you on this journey to success. Thanks. I'm, I'm excited. Marvelous. So Morgan, we can find your tours at historywelltravel.com. And you can find out more about The Trip School. That's Mitch's Trip School, Mitch and Alan's, which is at thetripschool.com. Thank you ever so much, both of you, for joining us today. I'm glad we gave you a reason to put pants on. (laughs) Yeah, but Shane, I wish I could say the same for you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The secret is out. (laughs) Marvelous. Thank you both. Excited to catch up with you soon. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.